The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, MMA on the Rocks, episode number 16, Sunday, October 2nd, coming off of Fight Night 96 for the UFC in Portland, Oregon. We're also going to talk about UFC 205, because that's what everybody's talking about. That's the big card that's been announced, full card. And then there's also a little something called UFC 204, which has to precede 205. And if you're hearing some chewing noises that's my dog bijou she's got a nylon bone and she's sitting behind me it is not jeff the animal wilson (laughs) chewing on my dining room table (laughs) which we've had problems with in the past but of course jeff is here how you doing jeff good and i i thought we agreed that we would leave that stuff of me chewing the table out of the podcast bill well you know like an ex-girlfriend i gotta throw shit in your face (laughs) so um we're here, we're actually, since it is October, which, which is, you know, the beginning of one of my favorite seasons, which is fall beer season, and and when you think of fall beers, you think of a lot of the pumpkin, um, pumpkin spiced beers, you know, Sam Adams, Oktoberfest, uh, things like that, but what we're sipping on actually comes up from the same area, which is the Boston, Massachusetts area, and it's Harpoon's Flannel Friday, and it's an amber ale. And uh, I think it's really nice. What do you think about this one? I really like it. And as I'm trying it, it's got this malty taste to it, and it reminds me a little bit of a Guinness, but it doesn't feel as heavy on your stomach as a Guinness. Yeah, it goes down real smooth. I like the maltiness. It's a malty mouth orgy, I'd say. It's real It's real crisp, but that maltiness really like brings out that fall flavor. It just tastes like fall. Makes you want to put on a flannel shirt and go chop some wood. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I got to go back to this because I love the fall. I mean, dude, you can wear whatever you want and be comfortable. I love wearing hoodies, but I don't like to sweat. So the fall's perfect. Yeah. And you know who else doesn't like to sweat because he can't seem to fucking make weight is John Lineker. Who, uh... That was a really nice transition. <laughs> Thanks. I pride myself on my transitions. Yeah. So this guy, Lineker, um, outpointed John Dodson last night in the main event. And I know you didn't get to see the fights, but I'm going to talk you through the results and, and I'll get your thoughts on them. Uh, so I actually, I thought Dodson won on a scorecard. So what I said was he may weathered the storm that is John Lineker. <laughs> so nice. he fought a smart fight, but unfortunately the judges didn't see it that way. He definitely, you know, incurred more damage because Lineker's face was badly lumped up at the end of this fight. And Dodson looks like he always looks at the end of a fight, which is exactly how he looks at the beginning of the fight. Um, so he, he was running away a lot. I, I guess you could call it running away, but you know, I would say he was using effective footwork and he was avoiding those big bombs of John Lineker and he was making him swing and miss a lot. But, you know, Lineker was stalking him down. He did land some shots that, that seemed to stun Dodson a little bit. Uh, so <clears throat> it was a split decision. So that means, you know, one judge saw it the same way I did. Um, and, and I think a lot of people 
uh, scored it for Dodson. Uh, any thoughts on the outcome of this fight, having not seen it? Well, I was as I was doing my lesson plans earlier, I was trying to watch some of the fight, but then I had to turn it off because I wasn't focusing. And um, <laughs> and I only saw a piece of the first round. I'll probably go back and finish it later. But um, I would have given that first round just based on like the two or three minutes that I watched. I think I would have given it to Dodson because he landed this massive head kick. Yeah. And John Lineker's, I know he's the hands of stone, but his head must be made of granite, dude, because yeah. it looked like a knockout blow. Yeah, I mean, both of these guys have, like, really strong chins. There's no doubting that. Um, but uh, Lineker calling out Dominic Cruz after this fight. And, I, and granted, you know, Dodson is a big win, even though it's his, it's his first fight back up at 135 uh, after dropping two to the champion at, at flyweight, Demetrius Johnson. Um, but, you know, it's, Lineker hasn't made weight in, I think, over 40% of his fights. Yeah. And and after winning the main event of a fight night, after you didn't make weight, you can't call out the champion. And if you're the UFC, you can't give him that title fight. Because here's my thought on it. The bantamweight division is not a big draw. Uh, you know, Dominic Cruz is probably one of the bigger stars because he does the commentary and things like that. But, you know, he's not headlining pay-per-views. It's usually like co-main event on a pay-per-view for the bantamweight championship, or you know maybe main eventing a, a Fox card, something like that. But if you have a guy who's consistently not making weight, you can't build up a championship fight because if he doesn't make weight, for those who don't know, if the challenger doesn't make weight, then he doesn't get the title even if he wins, and that's a sticky situation for the UFC to be in because here you have the champion getting beat, but he's still the champion. Yeah, and I, I agree with you in that, yeah, it provi- it presents a big conundrum. But also, like you said, John Lineker hasn't made weight in a lot of fights. He's had to pull out of one or two fights because he mm-hmm. couldn't make weight. And it's like, I mean, if you can't make weight in this weight class, one, you shouldn't be getting the title shot because you're not going to make it to 135 anyway. Yep. And two, what, you know, do you think you should move up a weight class or just maybe have a little more control with his diet and stuff. Yeah, which he's already done. He's already moved up from flyweight. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know what you do with John Lineker. I mean, he's he's had some impressive wins. He's got some big knockouts, obviously. He's got a lot of power. Uh, I, I think, in any case, Dominic Cruz would probably embarrass him because we saw, you know, Dodson, he wasn't able to hit Dodson that much. And if you can't hit John Dodson, there's no way you're going to touch Dominic Cruz. Oh, yeah. Especially since he's like a foot taller and he's known for evading big punches. Yeah. And, and he's going to also mix in some takedowns and stuff. And that's uh, the noise of Bijou dropping her nylon bone on the floor. I'm going to leave that in because I'm not really in the mood for editing today. <laughs> yeah. But in any case, uh, big fight there. I think there's still a lot of interesting fights for Dodson at 135. Definitely a rematch with TJ Dillashaw. I think oh, yeah. that's the number one fight I want to see in this division, period. 100%. Um, and, and I'm still advocating for Cody Garbrandt to get that title shot. I think it would be the biggest draw. So if you want to put more eyes on this, and there's the bone again. If you want to put more eyes on this division, then that's the fight to make. Um, speaking of eyes, um, a lot of people saw... Alex Cowboy Oliveira acting like a jackass after his uh, KO win over Will Brooks last night. Um, he 
he knocked him out okay. like very convincingly. He, had, he was ground and pounding him up against the cage, and uh, Brooks's eyes rolled into the back of his head. It was a good stoppage by Herb Dean. Um, but then Cowboy gets up and he's like flipping him off, and he's like he does like the, the Generation X like suck it thing, and he's like and he he said like oh well he was talking a lot of trash before the fight and uh you know they they build this fight up pretty well even though when they talk about will brooks every time they mention him they say he was a champion quote unquote in another organization (laughs) but they won't say the name of it and obviously they can't show any clips from bellator so and, and he doesn't have a whole lot of UFC footage, so they show footage of, like, I guess his amateur career or something like that. But Will Brooks is a guy who is supposed to come in and do big things, and I think Bijou just wants to be on the show and make, <laughs> and make some noise. That's why she keeps dropping her bone on the floor. But Will Brooks, it was expected for him to do some big things, um, but he had a big knockout loss against Cowboy Oliveira. So give me your thoughts on this victory for Cowboy, who also didn't make weight, by the way by like six pounds Eesh. uh so that that's not looking good and then acting like an asshole after the fight isn't looking good either but what do you think about this win and what do you think about his behavior yeah uh first to go to his behavior that is just un that's intolerable it's unreasonable like dude you won you you prove that you're the better athlete you know be happy with that it's okay to be happy that you won but don't go showvoting and embarrassing a mm-hmm. guy who clearly, you know, I'm sure the refs were helping him up, checking out if he's okay. Like, he can't even respond at this point. And yeah. you're doing that stuff. And also... He did get up and respond, though, and he threw his mouthpiece at Cowboy. Which, oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're being taunted like that, I guess you can't fault him. But, like, that's some dumb shit, too. And you're seeing a lot of unprofessionalism after fights. I mean, Michael Johnson, after he knocked out Dustin Poirier, was giving him the finger and, like, saying whatever else and carrying on. And I, I think you got to show good sportsmanship. If you win and you knock a guy out, like, it doesn't matter what happened before the fight. Like, that's done. It's over with. You settled it. Yeah. You know, there's nothing else that needs to be done or said, and nobody needs to get flipped off or any of this nonsense. It's, it's unprofessional, especially in a sport that, you know, we've been trying to get sanctioned in New York for so long. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but... You know, you got to have some credibility. When these guys are acting like assholes, that makes it hard. I mean, you want to tell the story of, you know, 80% of these guys are college educated and they're not barbarians and things like that. It's not a freak show. You know, these are intellectual professional athletes and it's hard to build that case when you have guys flipping people off and throwing things and kicking referees and kicking coaches and all the dumb shit that they've been doing lately. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, now going to the whole weight thing, Dude, like, you know how much you got away on that night. Mm-hmm. You probably have nutritionists or, like, some type of regimen to get to that weight by that date. Yep. So there's no excuses, yeah. honestly. So another guy that missed weight on the card was uh, Hakran Diaz, and he was fighting Andre Feely. And Andre Feely made weight, and he only had three weeks' notice, and he came out and won that fight impre- impressively. He, he dominated Hakran Diaz. That's a... That's a big win for him, and uh, he's looking to break into the top 15. I can't really find an argument against it. Um, He was really impressive last night. Any thoughts on him? Uh, I'm actually not too familiar with him. Uh, What weight class is that? Andre Touchy-Feely? You're not familiar? (laughs) (laughs) No, but with a name like that, I'm a little upset that I don't know who he is. Yeah, he's featherweight. Young kid. Um, 
he he lost his last fight, but um, it, it was against Yair Rodriguez, who you know, tough dude. Yeah, yeah we know is is tough, and and uh, I think he's finding his rhythm. He's coming into his own, but he's an exciting fighter. He likes to get out there and and sling some leather, and I think uh, I think he's got a bright future. Um, someone who doesn't have a bright future though, Josh Berkman. Lost a split decision last night to UFC newcomer Zach Otto. This was kind of a dud of a fight. Uh, not really much to talk about. But the fight right before it was very exciting, which is uh, Brandon Moreno, who's fairly new in the flyweight division against uh, Louis Smolka. Okay. Now, Moreno was a last-minute fill-in, and Smolka was talking a lot of trash. He was saying, there's no reason to have this tough reality show to find out who should fight Mighty Mouse. I'm going to fight him. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to embarrass this guy, Brandon Moreno, because I feel bad. And he's like, and I feel bad for what I'm about to do to him. Basically, like, just shitting on this guy. Um, and then he goes on to get choked out in the first round nice. with a guillotine. And uh, it was a really nice finish. I mean, uh, Moreno got him with, like, the Marcellus guillotine, which is, like, when uh, you're just around the neck and you point your elbow that's not around the neck up in the air, and he okay. just got it high and tight and cranked it, and and uh, Smoka actually stood up. Moreno held on to the guillotine. They dropped to the floor. He closed his guard, and Smoka wasn't going anywhere. He had to tap, or he, he was about to go unconscious. But very exciting. Brandon Moreno is showing some some tight jujitsu against a, a a big flyweight in Louis Smoka, who you know is probably still going to go on to have some big fights in this division. He's probably still in the top 10. I think he was ranked number 9. But um, what do you think about the trash talk and then getting choked out in the first round? First, I love it. <laughs> I, I, I love when the underdog comes in and do what nobody expects him to do. Hell yeah. Especially after all that trash talking. And, and going back to that uh, Marcelo guillotine, that is, I've been in, I've been caught in that a few times. And it's just tight, man. Like, you feel it as yeah. soon as somebody locks it up. Oh, sure. And uh, once they put that elbow over your back, it's hard to really do anything about it. Yeah, it's nasty. It does not feel nice. Um, <laughs> uh, another thing that probably didn't feel nice was uh, Tandon McCrory. Uh, getting knocked out cold by Nate Marquardt last night. And then this was uh, the Fight Pass prelims uh, kind of premiere fight, which I kind of like what they're doing by using big-name fighters and having them quote-unquote headline the prelims on Fight Pass because it really builds the platform. Uh, If you listen to the show before, you know I'm a big advocate of Fight Pass. I think every fight fan should have it. And if you're not a big fight fan, I also think you should have it because it has such great content. Yeah. you know, outside of fighting, they do reality shows and and all kinds of stuff, jujitsu competitions. Uh, I go on and on about how great Fight Pass is, but Marquardt lightened up Tandon McCrory in the second round towards the end of it, and Tandon started stumbling around. Um, you know, much like me, right after recording a podcast, and uh, <laughs> and uh, what Nate did was he looked down into his right. And uh, Tandon was so rocked, he just followed Nate's eyes, and then Nate threw a left head kick, Oof. and just it just took it just took him out. And I mean, I think Tandon McCrory was the favorite here. I, I think they were looking to build the barn cat back up, uh, but Nate Marquardt showed that you know being a veteran, being a veteran has its perks, and uh, 
put Tamden away in the second round impressively. So highlight real knockout for Nate Marquardt. Yeah, and Nate Marquardt, I'm a I'm a fan of his. I like how he fights, and you know I know his record isn't the best, but when he shows up, he comes to play. Yeah, and he definitely showed that last night. I actually am a little upset I missed a lot of these fights. <laughs> well, I hope you were doing something that was worth missing the fights for. Yeah, my uh, my niece and my nephew they are Irish twins. Okay, so they're they're born eighteen months of each other. Right, within eighteen months of each other, um, and they had a joint birthday party yesterday. So I was at that. I also went to the Renaissance Fair, which was which was interesting. Up in New York? Yeah. Tuxedo, New York? Yep. Oh, that's a good time. Yeah. Good. Tuxedo's nice. I love that area. Yeah, they used to do a, uh, a pub crawl where you would go to the blacksmith and you would get a, um, a beer pin. And then if you bought a beer at each of the stations, they would give you a ribbon and you had to collect them all. Oh, and a couple of my friends did that, but I, I had to drive, so I couldn't do it. Yeah, well, we definitely can't encourage that. <laughs> but but I did try some stuff. I tried the mead that they make, oh, yeah. which is like a honey wine. Mm-hmm. So it's super sweet. It's delicious. You'd really like it. Yeah. And then Sounds they have good. this thing called dragon's blood where they mix sangria with the mead, the honey wine. And that is delicious. And um, I had a couple of beers. I had this one IPA. I forgot what it was called, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple of Oktoberfests. And, you know, like, all the drinking choices were just really good. Nice. Yeah. It's a good time. If you have a chance and you find yourself in the mid-upstate New York area, um, anyone from Manhattan would consider it way upstate, but it's it's not that far upstate. It's probably 45 minutes to an hour north of Manhattan. Um and it's a good time. Like you'll see a lot of freaky people that dress up in yep. medieval garb, and uh, <laughs> I was not one of those. They they dress up like knights, and they got some cool shows, and it's a lot of fun if you have kids and stuff like that. Um, and, and like I said, you know, pub crawl. So <laughs> yeah, it was fun, but dude, there was a ridiculous amount of bees, and like, mm. I mean, bees don't bother me, but C's I can't stand. Ah. Uh. You're a teacher. Well, you were a teacher. You should get that what, joke. I see what you did there. Very punny. Very punny. <laughs> I actually stole that joke from somebody. It was bad when he said it, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, stealing jokes is, is good when they don't go over well. <laughs> yeah. So that's not my fault that that was a bad joke. <laughs> but, um, anyway, I'm all, I'm all for bad wordplay jokes. You know that. Um, oh, man. But... Anyway, we're talking about pub crawls, and we're also crawling towards UFC 205, which the main card was announced last week, and got to be one of the greatest cards on paper of all time. But before we get to that, something nobody is talking about is UFC 204. When the hell did that happen? It didn't. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's talking about UFC 205. UFC 204 is October 8th. Oh, I thought UFC 205 was October 8th. Wow. No, 205 is not until November 12th. So October 8th in Manchester, England, is going to be UFC 204 headlined by Michael Bisbing and Dan Henderson. And the promos for this have not been making Bisbing look good at all because it shows the highlight knockout from UFC 100 of Dan Henderson just plowing Bisbing's face and then dropping the forearm from hell 
onto his chin after he's already down, which has become Dan Henderson's logo. And he's been using it to taunt Bisbang ever since. And Bisbang is like, yeah, and people on social media tease me. This is in the promo for the pay-per-view <laughs> that they're showing last night. And then Bisbang says, I'm the UFC middleweight champion and Dan Henderson is not. <laughs> and <laughs> I think everybody, which begs the question, Bill, so? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I, I don't know if the UFC is trying to build up Dan Henderson to have this swan song and walk away as the UFC champion, which I think a lot of people would love to see. I mean, oh, yeah. he's, he's won two or three belts in pride. Uh, I think he was a champion at Strikeforce. He's been a champion everywhere he's fought except the UFC. Uh, he's come close a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, he did fairly well against Anderson Silva when he was in his prime before you know he got choked out in that fight. But um, I, I think either way, this fight doesn't go well for Bisping because even if he wins, like, okay, you're beating a Dan Henderson. Who's how, now a lot older. Yeah, how, he's 46 years old. Which, you know, don't get me wrong, Dan Henderson is still a beast. I think he's still one of the most terrifying knockout artists in the whole sport. But he's 46. So if you redeem this loss, and I don't see Bisping knocking out Henderson. No, not not by any means. So say he gets like a decision and he's able to outpoint Henderson. What does that really do for you? What does it do for your legacy? Because unless you match the devastating fashion in which he you were knocked out in, there's no way to redeem this loss. And then it, even if you win, even if you get a TKO or something, it's a 46-year-old guy who's ranked like 14th or something in the UFC. So I, I think Dan Henderson has everything to gain for his legacy, and, and it's a lose-lose for Bisbing. What do you think? No, you hit the nail on the head, dude, because... I mean, one, Bisping, I don't think he's that popular with fans. I don't like him. Just He's all <laughs> brash, and I just want to hit him. Yeah. But he probably hits harder than I do, so I wouldn't suggest that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, you know, it just looks bad on him because if you guys don't know about the lead-up to their first fight, you guys wouldn't understand this, but... Uh, they both, Bisping and Henderson, were coaches on that season of The Ultimate Fighter. I think it was Team America versus Team uh, England or Team yeah. Great Britain. So, like, throughout the whole show, they just hated each other. They were talking a bunch of shit to each other. And they couldn't wait to fight each other. Yeah. And and Henderson shut Bisping's mouth. So like Literally. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, even if you watch the knockout, like, he completely stops moving. Yeah. Like, there's a good chance he may have shit himself when he got knocked out that time. Yeah, I mean, there's no video evidence of that, but, you know, there's definitely a plausible deniability there. <laughs> I mean, the argument <laughs> can be made. But... In any case, um, hey, I'm going to watch it because fuck it. Of Why course. not? Yeah. Um, the co-headlining fight, Gegard Mousasi versus Bitor Vel- Belfort, which is a fucking amazing fight Hell yeah. eight years ago. <laughs> oh man! Um, I would have, I would have <laughs> loved to see these two go at it when they're both in their prime. But you know, post uh, TRT um, mm-hmm. reformed Vitor, the deflated uh, Vitor. Uh, I mean, I think there's no way Gegard Musasi doesn't handle this easily. 
I don't uh, know, man. I mean, I think you're you're counting out Vitor Belfort. I don't think you should do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. He's he has not looked great as of, as of late. I mean, he did knock out Dan Henderson, which and he's probably still ranked ahead of him, which you know begs the argument why why is Dan Henderson getting a title shot? But um, and you got it's not like you have a lack of contenders in this division. It's not like the flyweight division where there's just nobody. Uh, you, you got some killers in there. And uh, I don't know. I, this fight doesn't just doesn't excite me. Um, it, it would have, you know, maybe five years ago when these guys were were both, like, savages. Yeah. But, you know, Gegard Mousasi has been hot and cold since coming to the UFC. He's had some big wins, and he's had some big losses. Um but the fight right before that interests me a lot, which is Jimmy Manua versus Ovin St. Prue. Oh, that is a good-looking yeah. fight in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, because you know these guys are going to stand and bang with each other. And oh, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those fights, like, who, who lands first. Yeah, and they both have, you know, the technique and the power to finish the other one. Mm-hmm. So that is really exciting to me. And I'm a big fan of OSP. He, he holds nothing back. He just yeah. throws heavy and hopes that somebody goes down. Yeah, very unorthodox with his approach. Um, and that's kind of where this card fizzles out on paper. Uh, I mean, looking up and down, there's no notable names. Uh, towards the bottom, you got uh, Mike Perry, okay. who we remember from uh, UFC 202 when he had a big knockout over that giant man, um, Hyun Gyu Lim. And then uh, Perry's corner got into some hot water over shouting racial slurs at him. Oh. Um, so, I mean, the guy comes off kind of douchey. He, I remember he was taunting at the weigh-ins. He has God's gift tattooed across his stomach. Um, That's so, so lame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not the most, most likable fighter right now, but, you know, luckily... I don't think too many people saw a lot of these antics, so hopefully he cleans up his act um, if he ends up working his way up in a welterweight division. But, yeah, he's on that card. He's fighting Danny Roberts, which, you know, should be a pretty good scrap. Um, But like I said, the card kind of fizzles out after Manua and St. Prue. A card that doesn't fizzle out from top to bottom is UFC 205. I mean, man, you take any... Any fight on this card, I feel like, could headline at least a fight night. Yeah, and actually, I with this new job I got, I've been pretty busy, so I don't know the entire card. Oh, well, let's walk through it. Yeah, Bill, walk me through it. Through it. Take me on this journey with you. You want to go top to bottom, or you want to go bottom down? Let's go bottom to top. Okay, much like my sex life. All right, <laughs> so the card kicks off... Um, Two lesser-known fighters, but should be a really exciting fight. Bilal Muhammad and uh, Lyman Good. Um, very interesting. And then right after that, Liz Karamouche fighting local Jersey girl uh, Caitlin Chukagian, which you know we've talked about a couple of times before. This was one of the earlier fights that was announced, and definitely excited for that one. I mean, Karamouche obviously has a knockout power to put anybody down, but... You know, you got to root for the local girl here. Oh, of course. And then uh, Rafael Natal against uh, Tim Bost. Ooh, that looks like a good fight. Yeah, that should be definitely be a good scrap. I mean, Tim Bost has kind of been on a tear lately. And then uh, Tiago Alves making his lightweight debut against another local, Jim Miller. 
always a fun <coughs> time watching Jim Miller fight. Wow, absolutely. Jim Miller is a, he's like like kind of like Waldo. He's like hidden on some of these cards, mm-hmm. and then it comes up, and you're like, oh shit, Jim Miller's fighting, and then you get excited about it because you found him, just yeah. like just like when you find Waldo, and then uh, <laughs> after that, here's a card. Here's a a fight that could definitely hi- highlight headline of fight night: Misha Tate versus Raquel Pennington. Oh, that does look like a really, really good fight. Mm-hmm. Raquel Pennington, former Team Rousey. I know Team. I think she was on Misha Tate's team, or was it? No, mm. she was on Ronda's team. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I believe she was on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. So this is really interesting. I mean, I've seen very few former coaches fight against former. Uh, team members. That's a good angle. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting to see uh, Tate versus Raquel Pennington. You know, kind of a student versus teacher kind of thing. Yeah, that's an interesting angle. Um, another angle is Rashad Evans dropping down to middleweight to fight Tim Kennedy. And uh, there, there are some rumors uh, of them having trained together in the past. Mm. And uh, Rashad possibly getting the better at Tim in the gym. Um, but you know, this is going to be the first time. I mean, it's not like he was a small, light heavyweight. You're talking about a guy who used to fight at heavyweight. Yeah. He fought on he- at heavyweight on the Ultimate Fighter yep. uh, season two. Uh, I don't know if three. it was season. It might have been three. One of the early seasons. Yeah. Fought at heavyweight, uh, light heavyweight. Now, um, you know, not having the best luck there as of late. Yeah. Uh, got knocked out by Glover Teixeira in his last fight. But dropping down to middleweight. Uh, fighting Tim Kennedy, I think it's an interesting fight. Uh, it's kind of like a flip a coin fight to me, and it depends on how the cut goes for Rashad Evans. I feel like. Yeah, and you gotta remember Rashad. He's getting a little bit older, and he just got over that. Uh, I believe it was an ACL tear, mm-hmm. um, which really sidelined him for a while. And I felt like that really affected his his progress as a fighter because up until <coughs> then, I believe he had just been Chael Sonnen. Mm-hmm. And uh, things were looking pretty good, but um, you know, whenever you get an injury like that, it just it always sucks. But yeah. to see him, who's older, and I'm a big fan of Rashad Evans, it's hard for me to see that. So I really hope he does well against Tim Kennedy, yeah. who is a pretty tough customer. Yeah, definitely a very tough customer. Um, and it, from what I hear, people close to Evans have been kind of whispering in his ear that it's time to hang it up, and he's mm. been saying like, you know, let me do this, and. You know, respect to him for feeling that way and for not wanting to hang it up. Um, But, you know, it it looks like he has other things that he can work on. You know, he's got the broadcast career going, and he seems to be doing pretty well at that. Um, So another trend in the uh, can't-make-weight discussion, your boy Kelvin Gastelum fighting uh, Cowboy Cerrone, (laughs) which uh, not as exciting as the fight that was initially announced, which is going to be Robbie Lawler. Versus Cowboy Cerrone, mm. but um, still a very interesting fight because uh, Gastelum, big puncher, um, strong wrestler, uh, which is exactly the type of fighter that doesn't do well against Cowboy. Yeah, and Cowboy is pretty adaptable, one, and two, he's great everywhere. Yeah. I feel like his jiu-jitsu is so underestimated, Yeah, but he might have some of the best jiu-jitsu, especially off his back, mm-hmm. in... Uh, the 155 pound division that he was in, and now he's at 170. Yeah, and which I feel like he needs to stay at 170. Yeah, the question is, can Kelvin Gastelum make it to 170 on fight night? Yeah. Because as we've discussed in pretty good detail, uh, Kelvin, he's a big boy, and he does have a problem making weight. 
Yep. That he does, but you know, it seems to be a trend lately. And uh, until they until they crack down on it, you know. And it, here's the thing. I mean, these guys are losing 20% of their purse. Um, if, if they if their opponent agrees to fight, you know, the opponent gets 20 per, 20% of their their fight pay. Um, but you know, it's kind of embarrassing that it's been such a big problem with with high profile fighters. But an exciting fight because you know you don't want to put Cerrone on his back. He just got his black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, not too long ago, a month or two ago, um, which is probably you know well deserved, possibly overdue. Uh, so you don't want to put him on his back. So that eliminates kind of one of Gaslam's strengths, and then uh, he's got to close the distance to land one of those big shots, which you know Cowboy's great at keeping distance and, and landing great combinations. But you know it, it's going to be exciting to see if Gaslam can get in there. Another thing that's going to be exciting to see is another local boy, Frankie Edgar, fighting Jeremy Stevens, yes. who has been on a tear uh, since moving down to featherweight. Um, and now Frankie Edgar, there was there was talks of him dropping down to bantamweight. Obviously, he dropped uh, a second fight to uh, Jose Aldo, the current interim champion. Um, but man, I don't think you could have a more exciting fight on paper than this. Yeah, definitely. And Frankie Edgar, we know he's a powerful wrestler. He's got some awesome jujitsu. It seems like working with Mark Henry has helped him improve his hands as well, his stand up. Yeah. And, you know, it's a shame that he has lost a second time to Jose Aldo because I can't get over how great Frankie Edgar is. Yeah. I feel like he's one of the best fighters to never win uh, a belt at 145. Yeah. And, you know, we know he's a former 155-pound champ, but I would have loved for him to get that 145 belt, too. Yeah, he's up there in that category with... uh Kenny Florian, if you want to talk about the best featherweights to not win a title. I know it was hard for Kenny to get down to 145, and he got that title shot, and it didn't work out for him. But uh, what a resurgence for Jeremy Stevens lately. Yeah, I yeah. mean, this guy um, is still pretty young. He's still in his early 30s, and if he's not having a hard time making featherweight, I, he's going he's gonna to be able to make some statements. I don't know if you saw the – did you see the press conference for UFC 205? I have not. Oh, so I'll break this to you. So what happened was one of the questions for Conor McGregor, which I'm sure everybody knows Conor McGregor is headlining this card against Eddie Alvarez. We'll get to that in a minute. But one of the questions from uh, one of the people in the press was, Conor, who's the fight, hardest fight for you out of everybody on this stage? Like basically, like regardless of weight class or whatever, who would be the toughest matchup? And Jeremy Stevens uh, pipes in and says, I would be the toughest matchup right here. <laughs> And Connor, oh man, love him or hate him, you have to admit this is one of the hardest shutdowns ever. Connor turns around and says, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> and then, oh and, man! And, and and like you, you could not. It was like a traditional schoolyard shutdown. Like the whole place was like, oh, uh, and you know, love or hate Connor, you got to give that one to him. Like. He shut Jeremy Stevens down hard. I mean, the hardcore fans, we all know who Jeremy Stevens is. We have a lot of respect for him. But, you know, the the average fan who's tuning in to watch Conor McGregor, they don't really know who he is. And, oh, my God, what a moment. It was so fucking hilarious. Um, but all the respect in the world to Jeremy Stevens, but he really got owned verbally yeah. there. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, say what you want about Conor McGregor. He's the master of, of PR when it comes to the sport. Um, the only close second, I would say, is Chael Sonnen, who uh, actually just signed a fight to fight uh, Tito Ortiz over in Bellator. Oh, right, right, right. I think I remember hearing something like that. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, another thing that'll be fun is uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov fighting Michael Johnson, which definitely has title implications here. And, you know, depending what happens in the main event, it, I, I would see either one of these guys calling out the winner. Yeah, definitely. And Michael Johnson, tough dude. Um, but I feel like this is going to be Khabib's first real test in the UFC. Because, I mean, yeah, he's undefeated. He's like 102-0 and 0 or something. <laughs> but he he's 23-0. and 0. Yeah, close enough. But, <laughs> but he hasn't fought anybody. Yeah, I mean... But the guys he had, I mean, he's the uh, former champion, Rafael Dos Anjos, ragdolled that guy. Um, I mean, granted, Dos Anjos has swelled up quite a bit since then. You know, I'm sure he's just been lifting weights. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, his face looks like it might be on steroids. Yeah, yeah. He just looks like a cyclops with another eye. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else I would describe it. Very muscular face. I mean, he's probably been doing his face push-ups. You know, that's, Maybe. <laughs> that's how you build that distinct jawline. And anyway, I think this is one of the most exciting fights on the card that uh, is probably going to get overwhelmed uh, in the media, and a lot of people won't talk about it. Uh, uh, another thing that's great to see is Chris Weidman, who has been one of the biggest advocates for MMA in New York, Definitely. getting on this card. And I know a lot of people from his camp really wanted to get on there. Uh, Aljamain Sterling... Um, Ally Quinto was supposed to be on this car, but there was some contract drama there. But, you know, Chris Wyman, you know, was the first one to raise his hand up to get to get put on this car. Yeah, I think Bijou might want to come down. But, yeah, I'm super excited that Chris Wyman is going to be on the card. One, he's a good fighter. He's from Strong Island, so it's hard not to like him. He's a local guy. Yeah. And who was he fighting on he's this card? Yoel Romero. And... God, what a fucking animal this guy is. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would have liked to see Weidman. I would have liked to see Weidman, uh, you know, fight Rockhold and, and have the uh, the sequel to that fight. That would have been awesome for this. And I know Rockhold is, is going to be fighting Jacare. Um, I, I feel like that would have been a much bigger fight. This, is, I feel like, is a tougher fight for Weidman. Yeah, I mean, Yo Romero is... An unbelievably powerful guy yeah. in terms of both grappling and striking, and for he's like short and super stocky, but dude, he is athletic as hell, man. Yeah, I'm so much, so much power, and I mean, not a lot of people have given this guy a hard time. I, I mean, Jacare kind of gave him a hard time, and I, I actually think uh, I thought I kind of thought Jacare won that fight, um, but it was very close. It was a split decision, but. I feel like this is a tough fight for Wyman, man. This is not, like, I know he's been dreaming about fighting at Madison Square Garden, and I'm a big Chris Wyman fan, but, oh, man, this one's going to be tough, I got to say. Yeah, it's it's going to be a long night for Wyman. He is going to need to pack a lunch, man, because, <laughs> I mean... Yarmero can't speak a lick of English, but he can throw hands and take you to the ground and just beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Speaking of uh, <laughs> not speaking English, um, the the toughest 
fight on the card in terms of how you spell their names. <laughs> Ioana Janjercik fighting uh, Karolina Kowalkiewicz uh, in, a, in a Polish war that is going to be explosive. And I don't know if you, if you know the story of how uh, Karolina Kowalkiewicz came into the UFC. I don't actually. So this was actually a really cool story. And I heard Dana White talk about this where uh, Karolina was well known in the Polish fight circuit. I guess they have a big MMA circuit there. And she was considered, you know, the toughest fighter in Poland, um, which Joanna is like, what the fuck? I'm the champion in the UFC. I'm the toughest fighter in Poland. So she went to Dana White and she said, sign this bitch oh. in the UFC and give her some fights and then I'm going to beat her. Yo. So he signs her. And obviously we've seen Carolina has some skills. I mean, she's an awesome striker. She beat up Rose Namajunas in her last fight. Yeah. Um, and there's some tension here. I mean, this is this is a pride, uh, fight for a national pride. And, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of Polish people in the audience because there's a big Polish population in New York City. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's going to be a big Irish crowd as well. Because, of course, they'll probably know, drive down from Boston. Yeah, well, New York City was built by the Irish. Um, Ellis Island, dude. <laughs> yeah, so that that's an awesome fight. And then you got um, another title fight, Tyron Woodley against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, which, you know, th- there's <laughs> been like some awkward trash talk between these two, yeah. I feel like. Because it, it was like Stephen... Thompson called out Tyron Woodley, and he was like, no, I don't want to fight you. I want to fight Nick Diaz. I want to fight GSP. But then he was like, yeah, I guess I'll fight Wonderboy. Uh, I, I didn't really mean what I said about... And uh, that sound is not Jeff uh, slurping down the rest of his harpoon flannel Friday. That, that If you're hearing the slurping noises, that's Bijou who's made her way over to her water bowl and... Uh, She's quenching her thirst there, and I'm definitely going to leave this in, too. But what do you think about uh, Woodley and Thompson? Uh, it'll definitely be one of the more boring title fights <laughs> on the card, I think. Um, as far as the buildup, I mean, either one of these guys has the, the ability to stop the other, I feel like. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I just, you know, after hearing the possibility of George St. Pierre coming back, after... Yeah. After hearing Woodley call out Nick Diaz, it's like, you know, yeah. I'll watch him fight Thompson. Gets but. a little, it gets a little lackluster, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Wonder Boy, I mean, he's got a, a pretty solid resume, but, you know, he, does, he doesn't trash talk. It's hard for him to build up a fight. He's very respectful. And, you know, Tyron Woodley, uh, I mean, here's a guy who had an 18-month layoff and comes out of nowhere and wins the title. It's not like you can really... There's not a lot there to build this fight up. Um, but something that you don't need to build up is the main event, Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez. And I think a lot of people were surprised. I I, I predicted that this would be the headliner a couple of months back, but then I was starting to doubt myself as we got closer. There was rumors of Conor being injured, Um there was rumors of him having a fight booked at UFC 207 mm. and, and all these things. Um, I, I think if you're going to have the biggest card to kick off, you know, UFC in Manhattan, you, you got to have, you know, the Irish superstar bringing in that Irish crowd. And they definitely did. I mean, this, the, this card sold out in like three minutes I think yeah yeah I remember you telling me that you were looking for tickets and I was looking for tickets too and we just nothing 
Yeah, so we'll have to, you know, maybe crack open some uh, harpoons and watch from a distance, which is which is totally fine. I, I would love to be there as a as a native New Yorker. Uh, I'm so excited for MMA to be sanctioned in New York finally. Yeah. Um, this is like a this this is huge. Yeah. And, and it's really great to see that that we're getting a great card because. Um, you know, there's been so much buildup to this, and then the you know the card hadn't taken form until very recently. Right. So the the fact that it's this stacked is great. It's a great tribute to New York City, and, um, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, and I'm so happy that Eddie Alvarez is also in the main event. Yeah. He's a Philly boy. I'm sure he's gonna bring out a crowd from Philly. It's not that far a drive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he brings crowds wherever he goes. I mean, you're talking about about a guy who's been self-promoted. He used to fight down in Atlantic City, and he used to bring the whole crowd. He used to go out and sell tickets and then show up and beat ass. I mean, this is a blue-collar guy. you got to respect Eddie Alvarez, um, but he's having a hard time in the trash talk game against Conor. I mean, Conor already shut him down a couple of times at the press conference, and, uh, you know, Eddie's comeback is that Connor's an eight-minute fighter, and after that, he's gassed. And, he, you know, he's not able to compete in the trash talk game because Connor called him out right away. He said that, you know, Eddie got the biggest, most high-profile fight of his career when he signed the contract with Connor, and he didn't negotiate his contract. He kept the, uh, the payout that he had on his old contract, and... Uh, he didn't negotiate for bigger money, even though this is an opportunity to make the most money of his lifetime. So, you know, Connor always always quick to bring up the money thing, and he kind of shut Eddie down. And, uh, I mean, Eddie's not known as, like, a notorious trash talker. Yeah, but, I mean, this if this game was about trash talking, Connor McGregor would win every time. That's true. But they're still going to have to get in that cage and throw hands. Yeah. And I think that there, Eddie Alvarez can win. Yeah, this is a this is definitely a tough matchup for Conor. I mean, Eddie is a powerful, powerful striker, and he's a great wrestler. Um, so if he can close the distance on Conor, hold him up against the cage, or take him down, it's going to be a tough night. I mean, granted, Conor has shown that he can fight tough wrestlers in his performance against Chad Mendes. Um but Eddie Alvarez is a bigger version of Chad Mendez with more punching power, I think. Definitely. Um, but, you know, you can never count Connor out. Uh, you know, after his last fight, he's going to come in with a great game plan. Uh, he's got the knockout power to put anybody out, even though, you know, we all know how tough Eddie Alvarez's chin is. But, you know, we'll dive deeper into this uh, in a couple of weeks when we get closer to this event because it's still over a month away and there's some fight cards coming up between them we didn't even touch on tony ferguson versus rafael dos Santos, which is a fight card in mexico city um the week before uh ufc 205 so there's lots to talk about um but you have any kind of uh closing thoughts on anything we discussed so far i mean i'm excited for both uh bisping versus henderson coming up yeah i'm super excited for ufc 205 and I feel like that main event is going to be a barn burner. So both of these main events are going to be barn burners. Absolutely. Lots of things to, uh, lots of exciting things to look forward to. I'm looking forward to another uh, Flannel Friday by Harpoon Brewery, the Malty Mouth Orgy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, lots of great things. Uh, if you want to talk about anything that we discussed today, you know, you could find the show on social media at MMA on the Rocks. 
on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking. You can find Jeff at Animal Wilson on Twitter. Um, and, and let us know your thoughts. All right, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>